Welcome to the Seneca Podcast, a weekly discussion about current affairs in China, coming to you from the pop-up Chinese studios here in Beijing. I'm your host, Kaiser Guo. First, thanks to the many of you who are able to come see and hear Seneca live at Capital M. Uh, we hope to be doing live recordings from time to time, and would love to hear your suggestions for topics. Write and tell us who your favorite guests are, or good ideas for drinking games that we can play as we record. Anyway,、uh, Jeremy last week led a terrific discussion about Chinese literature with Joe Lusby and Allison and、uh, Eric Abramson. Thanks, Jeremy, for not forcing me. To expose the full paucity of my knowledge of Chinese literature. My pleasure,、oh, anytime.、Yeah. <laughs> That's what you're here for, man. Fancy cover for.、Uh, <laughs> anyway,、um, we're not going to gas on about literature this week.、Though. We're going to actually be talking about learning of the Chinese language. So, joining Jeremy and I on Seneca this week is regular David Moser, who's of course director of Chinese studies at CET program here in Beijing, and was a PhD in linguistics, or is a PhD in linguistics from the fabled Michigan program. We、oui, savoury. Great to have you back. <laughs> <laughs>、uh, we've also got two fresh young voices on Seneca to offset our stale and superannuated ones. <laughs> <laughs> we got Jessica Matsano. Jess is someone I've only met very recently. She started studying Chinese in San Francisco when she was the tender age of five. Is that right? Yep, that's、oh、right.、God. Jessica, remind me again where you work, and in the spirit of today's theme, please do it in Chinese. Okay. Um, 我在西城区教育研究学院做老师培训。哦、oh, oh. ，你看，你看，多么棒啊！啊，非常高兴，欢迎你。谢谢你。Great. We've also got Charlie Melvoin, who works with me at Baidu and is one of the main writers of the Baidu Beat blog, where he explains what it is that people are searching for on Baidu and does it in English. So, 欢迎你来到百度。谢谢 Kaiser Boss. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not your boss today,、um, and I'm never really your boss. Anyway,、so. I mean, capable of bossing anyone. So,、um, let's just start with an easy one. Okay, well, we, Charlie, why don't you start? How, what got you interested in Chinese? Ah, the age-old question. It was、right. it was an inexplic- inexplicable attraction to begin with. I think it was one of those things where the culture fascinated me. And、uh, growing up, I really wanted to be an artist. So I was absolutely enchanted by the characters. I think to begin with, before、oh, wow, cool. even the language. Yeah, and I had a, a Zen board. I remember it was called where you can dip a brush into water and write characters on it that I didn't even know the meaning of or tic tac toe depending on、right. on my mood. And、uh, <laughs> after a few seconds, it would wash away. <laughs> yeah, we've got those now.、Them. Yeah, yeah. Really so、cool. it's, a, it's a incredible technology. There's some secret behind it. My wife is still angry. With me because I, I used the Malby that had still some ink on it, and so、oh, now there's、no. this big ridiculous tongs. <laughs>、yeah. I think they do that in the park still. I mean, like old yeah, school style. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so、cool. it was really the artistic element too, I think. And then when I discovered the actual the dynamics of the characters, just I was totally. So in your high school,、oh, Chinese was was available. It was、and、available was starting in Los in, Angeles. Yeah, in Los Angeles, it was available starting in ninth grade. So seventh and eighth. You had to take the the French, Spanish, Latin as kind of your primer, I guess. And then in, in ninth grade, you had the option of also taking Chinese、um, or dropping one. But it was only one man, and he there were two campuses at my school, and he would commute. He would teach eight a.m. beginners at at the lower school, and then every day make the thirty forty minute drive to the upper school and teach tenth, eleventh, twelfth. Wow!、Um, and over the years, there were nine of us, and then seven, five, and then three. So we <laughs> so got to know Doctor Joe very well. <laughs> how, how old were you when you started? So that was fourteen. Well,、wow, wow. and、um, because he knew that if it was too hard, it would deter students.、Um, it was his own material that was tailored for us, and there were no tests or quizzes, so it was really 
um, a unique experience where you kind of learned as much. That's so not like Chinese yeah, pedagogy. Yeah, I was just going to say. But also on the cusp of puberty, which means that your brain was still perhaps capable Plastic of learning enough, yeah. with it without too bad of an accent, right? So, yeah, not too bad. And yeah. he would film our mouths. We had the luxury since we weren't nowadays. They're cramming for APs at this school yeah. and honors classes. And so you're really, it's a, it's a rat race. But then he could spend hours during the week on the chalkboard showing us what, why characters looked the way they did and and filming our mouths. So it was really, I think it was a blessing to be there before the, kind of the craze kicked in. I'm not really sure why he was filming your mouth. <laughs> you have a pretty mouth. You do have a pretty mouth. Now, wait, 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 now um, let me just say that Charlie's Chinese is good enough so that at Baidu, he was picked as one of the Zhuchiren, one of the um, MC. An MC, right? Yeah. MC Charlie. Uh, at our, our, our spring festival gala, which is going to be at Wukasung Stadium. I mean, like wow. 10,000 people. I mean, wow. Charlie's going to wow. be up there. Yeah, Four representing five, yeah. For <laughs> white That's folks. So can you, can you give us the introductory kind of few, first few sentences of your juchur and... Right. Uh, There's not a script yet, but I would say something like, 大家好,我欢迎你来百度的年会,我们有理由相信百度会带来更多精彩,值得我们期待。Oh, all right. <laughs> nice, nicely done. Nicely done. But still, you know, not not a, a native thing. I mean, oh, we'll get to that, I've, right? I mean, so it's obviously lifelong still... Lifelong pursuit. Right. Well, lifelong pursuit. To, to achieve nativeness is just almost impossible, as we all know. Um, okay, let's move to Jess. Um, now, I guess it's not really fair to say what made you choose. What made your parents decide? <laughs> yeah. You're five. My, my son's five. I can't even make him... Oh, anyway. Yeah, no, I know. Um, that's what a lot of people ask me. Why did you choose Chinese? But I explained that it really wasn't me. It was my parents. Um, well, I think the main reason was that they wanted me to do something. Uh, well, they wanted me to be bilingual, first of all. Uh, and also in San Francisco, it's a pretty multicultural environment. I mean, I grew up in the Mission. There's a lot of Spanish happening over there. Um, and also a lot of Chinese, maybe not Mandarin, but uh, Cantonese. Uh, so they decided that they wanted me to do the hardest thing possible first, which was Chinese, um, because the immersion programs uh, were Chinese and Eng uh, sorry Spanish and French. Um, so it was either between Spanish and Chinese. But I think my school was different um, than just taking like a, one class maybe a day. Uh, it was actually a half day experience. So, oh, wow. so from for example in the morning, in, in each, depending on which grade, the morning or the afternoon, you would have Chinese class all morning. Um, so there would be Chinese language, Chinese history, um, and Chinese math, actually. Chinese math. <laughs> <Yeah>. Which, <laughs> so you, you had, like, you, you learn how, like, essential science. Abacus. Science, science, and, science. Oh, really? and actually, Abacus. all my timetables, I still do in Chinese in my head because we learn them. I'm always like, ba, ba, liu, shi, si, or something when I'm yeah, doing timetables. Yeah, it's really like, ba, ba, liu, shi, right. si, um, ba, Actually, jo, Malcolm Gladwell had this whole thing about, like, why Chinese people are better at math, and that was because when we say the words, for example, ba, it's so much shorter than eight or 13. Right. So I, I remember yeah, that. something yeah. like that. Interesting so. but, but, it, but it also has to do with base 10, which right. is Chinese is, is perfectly matched with base 10, but but, uh, but uh, speakers of English, they get to 10, and then 11, 11, what's that? 12, yeah. what's that? It takes, like, them, exactly. it takes them as course, much as yeah. six months to actually grasp base 10. It slows them yeah. down as opposed to Chinese and Korean and Japanese. Oh, right. yeah. interesting. Yeah, really interesting. So anyway, so we had this kind of half-day, half-day situation. So um, And actually at that time, it was really not particularly in vogue as it is now, and I was the only non-Chinese kid well, in my Can I just, I mean, how old were you at age five? I don't know. What year, what year, what year was this? What, what year um, was this? Just, just when I without was, asking. You haven't had enough beer yet, Kaiser. <laughs> <laughs> chug, chug it uh, it was 1992. Okay, wow. Yeah, so. All right. Wow, I was like, oh, I don't even Yeah, we don't want to know, Kaiser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, no, 1992, you're, you're certainly right. It wasn't in vogue. I mean, nowadays, right? right 
everyone in you know, yeah. the Manhattanites with their they got to have a like a, a nanny, yeah. not just a nanny from mainland China, but one from Beijing, ideally, because you know, that's what's fashionable. Right. Um, but I think it was also like my teachers were actually from Taiwan um, or Taiwan, and um, they and we learned Bopomofo. So oh, wow. so we oh. really just did it old school over there. And I actually didn't learn Pinyin until college. And you or, learned or Fan I learned Fan Tzu. Oh wow, so, hardcore. So that's now, good. Good. yeah. So now yeah, in karaoke, really sometimes I know the. You're words. better than they are. Yes, that's right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So. Okay, uh, David. What about you? What about your your Chinese experience? I mean, we'll get back. I mean, Jessica's got a lot of a lot more to tell, I'm sure, but we'll we'll get to it. Uh, well, I learned in the in the old days before Chinese was was you know faddish, I guess. Uh, uh, and I I think I was also a little bit attracted to the characters at first. I mean, I started there thinking, you know, I'm never going to actually learn this language. That's insane. But maybe I could learn about the principles, and I sort of got sucked into it from that. But uh, back then, there wasn't a lot of there weren't very many good Chinese learning methods. There weren't a lot of, you know, the internet things. There weren't a lot of fun things. And I quickly determined that that the textbooks were not the way to go. And I, I sort of taught myself. I, I basically am a self-taught in, really? in Chinese. A Chinese I, autodidact. I, yeah, autodidact, right. Auto-tuned. And, uh, and, I, and somewhere around 1991 or so, I, or about 89, 90, I discovered this thing called crosstalk, xiangsheng. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh, there's a shortcut because it's funny, it's idiomatic. And I started getting my Chinese friends to, to uh, copy down the, the scripts for me up from, from the recordings. And I just sort of did it that way. I did it the hard way. I, I wish I actually had taken more classes back mm-hmm. then. But, but on, on the other hand, I also learned a lot by, by teaching myself because now, I had to interact with Chinese people. This was more. actually in college, though, or after college. No, actually, I started school. learning before I even started uh, at the Your University linguist. of Michigan. Oh, I, I, I had been in music for years and years, and I just got interested in, you know, uh, and I, at, at about 1985, my sister had a Taiwanese boyfriend, and she said, well, you're learning all this Chinese. You could just go to Taiwan, and uh, you could stay with my boyfriend's family there. So I went there, and in the process, they broke up, which was awkward. Yes, <laughs> I was going to say. But nevertheless, I was in Taiwan, and I thought, oh, after six months, I'll master the language and go back, and I'll be speaking Chinese. Yeah, right. none of you are laughing. So, so then, after studying it a few years, I got this chance to go to Peking University, and then is when I got into graduate school in Chinese. Ah, okay, okay, really interesting. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even know the whole story. Jeremy, what about you? You came here as a teacher without Chinese, right? Yeah, I came here for the reason I still don't really know. I think just to get as far away as possible from South Africa, <laughs> um, and I, I didn't intend to stay in China, nor particularly to learn Chinese, but the first year I was here, the job I had was in the economic technological development zone south of Beijing. And I lived in a workers' dormitory uh, with a bunch of migrant workers. And most of my students were uh, uh, kind of older engineers who were never really going to learn any English. So I ended up speaking Chinese in the day at work and speaking Chinese at night with my migrant worker friends. So by the end of that year, I could speak very crude but relatively fluent uh, Chinese. This was uh, 95? 95, right. yeah. And since then, I sort of taught myself to read, and I had a teacher for a while, and uh, the internet particularly helped me a lot to learn to read because it became easy to look up characters. Um, but the result of this this rather motley collection of uh, educational experiences is that in some ways I, I speak very good Chinese. Uh, in some ways, I speak appalling Chinese. I have a lot of gaps in my knowledge. Well, that's where I am, too. Just, um, I mean, I can pass off short utterances and sound like a native 
And then, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have, yeah. Well, we might as well get to that part of, of, of the talk about, I mean, confessions, right? <laughs> where, where are our big gaps in our Chinese? I'll, I'll go first, okay? I, I, I can't listen to a news broadcast with full comprehension. I mean, I really can't. I mean, mo- it's, I mean, to me, it's like saying, I mean, being a six-year-old and hearing, the S&P was down five points, in spite of the Fed raising basis points. It's, 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 um, I, I, it's, it's complete gibberish often, and I, I fancy that I can actually make myself understood. The other thing I can't do at all is speak publicly in Chinese. I can't, I mean, I have just such, I can't, I can write an email, I can, you know, read, um, although, you know, it's painful. I can't skim, I read character by character you know, with a lot of crutches, a lot of crutches, you know, electronic and otherwise. So that's me. I, I'm Kaiser, and I'm, <laughs> well, I, I might I'm a shitty Chinese speaker. Because I think yeah. the other people are, you know, have far fewer weaknesses than the right, two, the two of us do. But I'm okay with news broadcasts, partly because when I first got interested in learning, you know, Chinese characters, I was interested in reading newspapers and learning kind of news vocabulary. Um, I'm very bad. Classical Chinese, no good. Uh, oh, come on. That's everybody, though. Chung, yeah. Chung Yu. Oh, Chung Yu. Don't even get me started on Chung Yu. Yeah, Chung Yu, uh, <laughs> no good. Um, I can speak, uh, I do quite a lot of public speaking in Chinese, but because I'm a, a kind of foreign-looking fellow, I get forgiven uh, whereas a lot, I, I whereas you all, wouldn't be. Right. So, you know, I can really mangle my Chinese and people will forgive me. So I don't mind speaking in public. Um, but I think uh, literary Chinese, and even in the sort of unpretentious sense of the word literary, uh, I have a lot of uh, flaws and failings. Jess, any flaws and feelings? Oh, definitely. Uh, I want to say chinks in your armor. Sure, you can keep going with that. Um, well, no, I mean, I think most of it for me is um, reading. Because, like, I can pick up a newspaper and kind of get through it, kind of. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, I would say reading is the hardest thing just because it. I feel like it's such an investment of time and... Um, I have some, like, books, but I really honestly haven't opened them. <laughs> um, right. I've never have, read a novel in Chinese. Yeah, de- and, I, and I feel like, like, when I was reading your article, it's like, you're so right about the newspaper. It's like, you just, there's certain words that are just missing from your vocabulary, and then you just miss the whole point of something. Because, I mean, you can recognize a good amount of the characters in the paper, but I feel like, you know, I, I've, and since I've been here, it's been like, okay, now I'm going to learn, like, all of the country names that America's at war at. Well, you know, you know, all these kind of things that <laughs> that's maybe That's always a long list. Yeah, I know. List. It's a really long list. But, um, you know, just things that I feel like when I was, you know, in school or something, I just didn't, we didn't really talk about um, or things like that. So I feel like uh, since a lot of my learning before I came here um, has been in school. Like, there's just certain things that you, you miss in that, right. in that just sense. Sort of... um, my writing is okay. It's okay. I mean, I, I've now, like, committed for myself when I'm when I'm texting to not use the thing. I use, like, the, the brush strokes because I have a touch Oh, phone. wow. Good for so you. So that's what I've been trying to do. And sometimes when I don't know a word, I switch back, and then I promise myself, okay, <laughs> no I'll switch opinion, back. No more opinion, no more opinion. Yeah, no more opinion. <laughs> you, you know, at this point, I think I should I, – I don't think I confess my weaknesses enough. I can't write with a pen. I need to use a mobile phone. Phone or computer, right? right. Uh, the, I cannot remember characters if yeah. I don't have that, that crutch. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've probably dropped eighty percent of the characters I could once write. It's such a bizarre memory loss, though, because you yeah. can look at the character and you recognize yeah. it instantly. And then if you took that away and it's, it went to go write it, it's just a blank. Yeah. Just just now, you made reference to uh, Dave 
David Moser's article, yeah. which is it's actually like probably the most famous thing that you've ever written. Let's let's say today. <laughs> it's called. Yeah. Let's oh let's goodness. let's talk a little bit about that piece before we before you talk about your confession oh, because then the whole thing is kind of a confession of your weaknesses. Yeah, yeah I feel I don't have. To, I've already done it. And then we'll we'll get to Charlie's weakness. Yeah, you've already done it. So let's yeah. let's get to Charlie first, and then talk about why Chinese is so damn hard, which is. The theme here, uh, of course, well, but also may, maybe I mentioned just one thing though. It's not just my weakness, but a lot of people think that it must be hard. We've mentioned things like learning the names of countries and all those. All those things are hard, but I, but for me, you know, I can get up and talk, or I can talk to a friend for an hour in a in a in a bar about philosophy or film and everything. What's really hard is when you get with some little kids, and you just have to negotiate playing basketball or something, or you you have to move the sofa. With with the sort of the movers, right? What's really hard is to say things like, "Okay, uh, run over there. I'll throw the ball to you. Bounce off the wall, and you catch it, and you go over there." <laughs> or, "No, no, no. Put this over, over here on top of those books." Which is required in that. You this is remember. this is really hard. So that's kind that's of stuff, stuff I don't do. think I'll ever get. That's the kind of stuff I can I can do. I can and that and, and heavy metal vocabulary. But <laughs> <laughs> now, um, Charlie, what about you? Mm. What, what, well, what I think since things? most of the base have been covered with speaking, listening, writing, one thing that hasn't been mentioned is. is the gaps, and you mentioned this before, Jeremy, but in vocabulary. And because mm-hmm. my teacher didn't use textbooks, he did his own curriculum. So for some reason, we'd start out in the first months, and we were jumping ahead to, to the most random things that he thought culturally we should know. But then in daily conversation, I'll constantly realize, oh, my God, I don't know how to say, like, ankle. And I don't know how to say pink or gloves. And it's like, how did I go? Yeah. I, right. I claim to have studied for, you know, on and off for the past Fish, decade. trees, and birds, it's just, flowers. <laughs> no, I'm seriously, just, I mean, like all these things that I know, I know the names But don't, don't you think that that's any language? That's not yeah, particularly Chinese. Sure, I, sure. Yeah. But yes, I do. Um, but I think that for, for, for other languages, perhaps you, you learn them more in, in sequence and together, and they just seem to mesh for Spanish, at least that way. They all in Spanish, we have half the vocabulary. Exactly. Right. Speak English. Right. 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 Yeah. Also, just, just to mention what you're, you were talking about, the names of countries, that's a problem that doesn't exist with other languages either. Right. Because so when you learn you know, French, you, you say, now I'm going Brazil. to talk about Hillary Clinton. And, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> and even you can say, Herman Cain, you know. American? Yes, right. <laughs> yeah. That famous but, but American Chinese, politician? Yes, the famous <laughs> with the French accent. Yeah. American. But, it's, but this is the kind of thing that's so hard about Chinese, you don't even think Clerman. of it, that, it, that it's hard. <laughs> but for countries, Clerman. for states, for, pe- for famous yeah. people, you have to start from scratch and learn another name. Yeah. Yeah. My wife has this f- game she plays with my uh, American non-Chinese speaking friends where she'll say the names of famous people in Chinese. And have and them guess. Right, right. Yeah. It'll be like, Peter. Shashabia, <laughs> <laughs> these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. And some of them are really weird. Brad I mean, Pitt and Shakespeare. Right, right, right. <laughs> Those in the audience. Jeremy, you're yeah, too well, <laughs> What about Formosa? Shark Yeah, but that's a weird one. That's totally counterintuitive, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, then some of them are just really bizarre. It's like Mawang. Who the f is Mawang? Elvis Presley. Right. Cat Elvis King. The Cat King. Well, when you know it means Cat King, it kind of makes sense. Well, it? I Elvis. suppose. Right? Yeah. Anyway, that's the thing with all Chinese. The There's this frustrating logic when you hear it. It's like, of course it's that. Right. But I never would have you guessed know. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right, right. I think it was one of the, the greatest things. Um, you know, we, we think we know a lot of characters, but then they, they do a In David's famous article, he says, you can know the word up and you can know the word tight, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to know the word uptight. Right? I mean, that's, that's what I'm constantly facing in Chinese is that, yeah. you know, these two characters I know individually, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I can tr- sort of treat them like Greek stems or, or you know, prefixes or suffixes or, or you know. Yeah. But, <laughs> Sometimes it's just like, what? And then especially when they're borrowed from Japanese, which a lot of, 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 of words are, yeah. uh, which a lot of Chinese people don't like to own up to. But 
Um, is there a particular myth that any of you guys? Let's let's do a little bit of myth busting. Uh, there's a lot of myths around the Chinese language um, that that are still out there in currency. Uh, are there any in particular that you want to to you're eager to debunk? Uh, I would start with a, a great book, which I know it's not recommendations yet, but there's a book by John DeFrance that's called The Chinese Language, Fact and Fancy. And each chapter is, is a myth. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So, so the ideographic myth, uh, you know, the... the so the, the ideographic myth. The, the idea monosyllabic that, myth and all these Right. Let's, let's start with that, that, that ideographic that myth. Each, uh, that each uh, Chinese character is, is a, represents... An idea. an idea or something like that. So the, the, the current word is logograph, is that correct? I mean, people like that Oh, it's word. hotly debated, yeah, hotly whether you use logograph or ideograph or ideogram or all these kind of things. You know. What's the difference between ideograph and ideogram? I don't, okay. I don't know. You're <laughs> the linguist. Oh, the linguists don't study written languages. Yeah. Right? I, I, I think one, uh, one myth I'd like to explode, which is uh, the tones. Mm -hmm. uh, people think that when they hear about this, they think, oh, if you don't use the exact right tones, you're going to come out, you know, you want to say, uh, let's get something to drink, and you end up saying, you know, I want to have sex with your grandmother, or something <laughs> like that, if you don't. Actually, this is not true. I mean, what, what, what you don't, one thing you don't realize is that tones, that, that there's less information in the tones than you might, that you might think. It has to be in the, in the terms of a context. You can, most Chinese people who know pinyin can read pinyin outright without any tones. Sure. You can put them in. It's I mean, like Hebrew, my kids do it all the time. Hebrew. My kids will say like, that's, that's what I was gonna say. You can, you can speak, yeah. Which shows that it's what's essential in, in Chinese is the context, the, 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 the and consonants the, the super and vowels, phonemes. phonemes. Right. And, and as, long as, you, as long as those are pretty much correct, very seldom will you commit those kind of errors. Okay, that's where, where people where that's... people make that mistake is because they'll 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 say something garbled where the, where the hearer only has one word to go on. I, I'm convinced that half of the dialects are basically just like <laughs> up tones. I mean, exactly. Like, no, like it's true. Hunanese. Yeah. I mean. 我觉得这个是一个很好的问题 like that, that it's just this garbled cacophony, and left when he was able to recognize syntax and structure to say, wow, yeah, there, there's, there's something incredibly Well, God, I mean, it's a language melodic. that's entirely free of harsh consonant finals. <laughs> I mean, no, really, yeah, there's, no, there's no hard Ks. Mandarin, or, yeah. yeah, Mandarin, yeah. Mandarin anyway, right? Mandarin, that's yeah, the right. other one, <clears throat> or the other one's uh, not so. What, are you, int are you hinting joking. that Polish is ugly? Yeah, yeah. anyway. Well, Turkish, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, you guys. I'm way off track here. I'm starting to offend people left and right. But uh, what about you, Jess? Is there, is there a myth that, that you, being probably the person who studied Chinese continuously for the longest here? <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe I'd like to steal yours that you mentioned earlier about the grammar. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, 
in, in some ways, there, there's a truth to the fact that you're not conjugating, um, which, you know, I took Latin in high school, and that was just, like, such a nightmare. I remember uh-huh. doing those conjugation tables. But um, at the same time, I feel like, the, you know, word order is important, and word order is something that is really hard. And I actually also sometimes have a hard time explaining myself because I started learning it so long ago that a lot of stuff is just, like, intuitive to me All or right. something like that. So, I like, you know, like, I have friends who are learning or something. They're like, well, why do you say this? first or that first and sometimes I'm like I don't know you know it's like um, English that's, that's yeah, good yeah yeah but um yeah I think there there is grammar in the sense of like there are sentence patterns um and I remember you know Jal Jude's is like the oh yeah you know yeah. I just hate that you know but you know you do there's a lot of patterns and a lot of things that you know you you know you use uh like huajia or you use you know things like that you, that there are right right there's there are things to learn so it's it's a total myth but i think it comes from the fact that chinese what chinese doesn't have is a lot of morphology mm-hmm. which some people mistake as grammar which right. is it's an isolating language noun declensions right. and, and but it of course has grammar I mean, it's yeah, ridiculous yeah but you know <clears throat> if i may uh, yeah, my well, myths uh, are in fact to uh, be uh, defend the myths that <clears throat> david and Jesse of just attack, <laughs> which uh, essentially I mean, you. To- tones are in fact important. If you want to learn to speak good didn't Chinese, didn't say they weren't. No, they're important, important Jeremy. No, no, no. They're not like if, not you, if you don't have perfect pitch, you can't learn Chinese. I mean, I'm pretty much functionally toned down. I can attest to that. Right. Yeah, thank <laughs> you very much. Um, uh, but tones are very important if you want to speak Chinese that people think is good, especially yeah, in Beijing. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. In Beijing, people are very snobby about tones too. Yeah. So uh, and wife, sensitive uh, to them. Yeah. Beijingers. Uh, the the grammar question, if you've learned, as I had previously, Afrikaans, Latin, Italian, and French, Chinese pretty much has no grammar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so easier grammar and tones do matter. It's all easy, at least. Right, right. It's, not the, it's not the biggest challenge right, in Chinese. Right. Grammar is straightforward. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we were on the subject of music uh, earlier. You, you talked about how you had been, David, you had been a musician, actually. Do you think that being having a musical background conveys any advantage on you with tonality. I mean, there was an one of my favorite podcasts, NY, WNYC Radio Lab. Yeah, go, go listen to this one called Tonal Languages. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, you know, don't stop listening to this podcast and go there. But after this podcast is done, go find WNYC's Radio Lab and listen to one called Tonal Languages. It's fascinating. They did this study. Let me see if I can paraphrase this correctly. Where um, they brought in speakers of tonal languages of Chinese and Vietnamese, so Mandarin Chinese and Vietnamese, and had them come in at random times of you know different days of the week, different times of the day, and go through a bunch of unrelated words, just pronouncing them individually. And they found that irrespective of the time, an individual speaker will always start a second tone at the same point and finish it at the same point. Their first tone is like if it's ma on Wednesday at seven thirty, on on the following Friday evening. At um, you know ten in the evening, it's ma. It's the exact same tone. They put them next to each other, mm-hmm. and then the, the the idea was, wait, maybe tonal language speakers have a higher incidence of, of perfect pitch, and in fact, they went to Juilliard and they, they and they, they took you know people because there are so many Chinese and Vietnamese at Juilliard, of course, and uh, and tested them as to whether they had perfect pitch, and it was something some ridiculously higher percentage of people who had perfect pitch. Among tonal language speakers, so I, I don't know. I, I don't think that it's not important. Uh, I, I would tend to be more more in line with Jeremy on that that issue. I had another question for for Jess. Yeah. Were there other non Chinese kids in in your school? Yes, but okay. not in my grade. So, not in your grade. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, there's, uh, it, it would depend, on, it went according to different grades, there was a few, um, but now I know there's about half and half. Oh, wow, okay, yeah. so now it's changed a lot since. It's, uh, I mean, it was also really, really small. I mean, my middle school had 38 kids in oh, the wow. middle school, wow. so it was a really, really small school, and now it's just really big. Very cool, very cool. Yeah. How, how many of those non-Chinese kids were Jewish or partly Jewish? <laughs> uh, right here. Um, yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Wait, wait, I just, okay, wait, just full disclosure. My surname is Goldcorn for both, 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 both. Okay, so now three out of four of our, of our non-Asian, um, David, you're not Jewish, are you? Not that I know of. Okay, okay. Right, right. So everyone else is. David Moses. They changed it to Dallas Island, so yeah. Um, that, that's, that's really absolutely fascinating. Um, but I mean, I remember like there, there, I really don't think actually there's a lot of Jewish kids. Cause I remember like my mom wanting to come into and like teach everyone about like Hanukkah and yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you say Hanukkah in, in, in Chinese? No, no, no. She Look, all they really want to do is just she, like, yeah, teach she, us enough to, 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 you know, be able to, you know, wait on you on Christmas <laughs> at the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hey, so listen, um, what's our, okay, we, we've talked about the challenges. We've talked about, you know, our, our own flaws and our, our, our failings. Let's talk about the, the grand joys of learning the language. I mean, what has this, has attaining a, you know, in some of our cases, a reasonably good mastery of the language and in others, you know, not such a good one. But what, what's, what's it open up for us? Anyone can start. Well, a lot of people ask me about, you know, whether it's, I don't know if you're going to get onto this topic or not, but I mean, the, whether it's worth it if you're going to be here, you know, how, yeah, how good should my Chinese be and all this kind of stuff. That's a good place to, yeah. I, I personally, you know, as years went by, was a little disappointed that I, that I couldn't figure out how to make more money with my good Chinese. I thought, <laughs> here I am in Beijing and I'm speaking Chinese all the time. Why aren't I a millionaire yet? I couldn't understand why, you know, people weren't flocking to you me. You mean there isn't a direct they correlation? they all want to learn <laughs> English, that's Yes, why. But, but I realized that the answer to it is if, if you want to make money or just do something, you know, in the business world, I'm not sure that there's a good correlation unless you're at the lower level at someone who's like running around. Okay, you know, so there's do, a good myth to debunk, right? Yeah, I mean, right. unless you're you're someone who just who wants to start at the bottom, you know, and get some experience and get something on your resume, there's there's a use for Chinese. But you see the people who are here uh, that are making the big bucks, they usually don't speak well. In fact, most of them don't bother to ever learn at all. If you want, With the singular you, exception of our Canadian friend, yes, Mark which we'll Rose, get into in a minute. Right. But but if you Rose want to have interesting experiences. And meet interesting people and do I mean, amazing things. You've got to have good Chinese. That's the way you do it. So I mean, it depends on whether you want to live here and have an interesting life, really understand this culture, or if you just want to get something out of it. Right. And so, what have you, Charlie? I mean, I would say the, the layers of meaning and unraveling them, which ne- which is a process that that never ends. And with the beginning, you know, to learn that cell phones, phone machine, then there's flying machine and computer, the electric <laughs> brain, and then that man is, a, is, is power under a field. And those things that blew my mind just rocked my world at age 14 completely. And up until present day, when just yesterday I learned you know, autism, I told you this at work, um, yeah, so be closed off, self-closed, self-closed self-closing, right. um, which is so profound in a way that I think um, you don't really find necessarily in, in average words in other languages. Spanish, for example, um, when I learned Autismo. that to say, <laughs> when I learned to say that immediately was inmediatamente, um, I no wasn't shocked. Right. Yeah, <laughs> And when I learned that ma shang was because to get on horseback was the quickest way at that time to go somewhere, I was like, what? This is so cool. I love that. I mean, my, my friends will say, I will be there on horseback. Yeah, exactly, which, which is what's being said technically. But Charlie, I have to be a little careful there, though. I know what you're saying. 
But it's not true that other languages don't have you know that amazing cognitive realization. It's just that you're used to your English language. Exactly. Absolutely. You're learning an entirely different conceptual exactly. system, and yeah. that's what's that's opening true. about eye-opening about it, listening to learning any language. The difference between that and learning like. Italian, Spanish, French, is a lot of those overlap, as Jeremy was saying. That's absolutely so you're really true. not learning a totally different cognitive system, but in Chinese you are. Except that with the, 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 the characters, I think that that's a unique element yeah, that you don't apply. So, so Jessica, <laughs> you, you, I mean, you know, I, I was forced to, to take piano lessons starting at five, and I don't, you know, don't get me anywhere near a piano. Now, you, you were forced to take Chinese from age five, and now here you are living in Beijing and really into it. And I mean, yeah. I met you at a Project Pungyo event. You're, you're into it, which is totally Great. And yeah. uh, tell us, you know, there, there was sure. surely some joy that, that... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think part of it is that because I started learning it so young, and, and I certainly w didn't continuously learn it, so I uh, ended up moving to a different city, not that far away from San Francisco to Berkeley, but still I stopped so my Chinese education. Um, at, uh, in Like I started uh, seventh grade and did high school in Berkeley. So I had this huge gap, uh, six years, where... Uh, and, and if we're saying advice here, I'm just going to say it now, don't stop. Because <laughs> if you stop, you will lose everything, yep. which I honestly, like, That's I true. really did. Like, I mean, other than my pronunciation, I started, uh, you know, first year for native speakers in college in, at Columbia. Did that um, trip people out? <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm always like, like the wow, weird one like in the, me. yeah. <laughs> yeah, like people here, they're like, 你是新疆人吗? And I'm like, <laughs> 不是新疆人? <laughs> no. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, I mean, the thing is, like, having learned it for so long, um, you know, I felt like, I really kind of almost like owed it to myself to live here. And I've actually, this is the fourth time I've been to China. Um, I've kind of gone on a few like vacations uh, off and on, but not for that long. And I think living here just uh, really just does it for me. I mean, you were talking about, David was talking about how, you know, the interactions and business and things like that. But for me, it is like the very mundane that really is, is just so wonderful to experience in another language because I think living, you know, in the States, at least for me before I came, like, you know, I like going grocery shopping, but it's really not that exciting. But here it's like, you know, it's you, an adventure. It's just, you, everything is an adventure. And I think yeah. that that's also a really great way to learn, you know, to practice your language and just really understand, really the because, like, mm -hmm. you know, for example, where I live, I'm really good friends with the people who sell cigarettes, who sell the vegetables and the fruit and their kids, and, like, we all have dinner together, and, like, it's just, like, this wonderful community of people, and they've totally... It's otherwise impenetrable, right? Yeah, right. And, and the thing is, because I can speak Chinese with them and they understand me, it's, like... If anyone experiences Chinese hospitality and you know what I'm talking about, you just get let in in such a beautiful way. Yep. Um, and that, I feel like, is not necessarily uh, possible if you don't speak, speak and, 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 and just to a level that they, can, they feel mm -hmm. comfortable with you. Um, so I would say that's been the greatest joy is just meeting these people um, who are just like regular people just doing their thing. But, um, you know, I feel like we both like bring a lot of light to each other's lives. And, yeah, it's really nicely sweet. said. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jeremy, you can, I'm sure, wax incredibly poetically about the world that's been opened to you from. I, I think I mean, it's, it's similar. Uh, I think, you know, this the first book I read about China that I remember was I think the author was Dennis Bloodworth, who'd. Uh, I think it was written in the 60s, uh, sometime during the Cultural Revolution, called uh, Through the Looking Glass. And, he, you know, his metaphor was that Chinese, when you start immersing yourself in Chinese culture, it's a bit like Alice in Wonderland. You, you arrive in this culture where everything is kind of upside down. Um, 
And I think, you know, starting from the things in the language itself, like, you know, Shang or, you know, that are conceptually so different from English and other European languages to uh, daily life, to uh, traditional Chinese culture, to even, you know, Chinese slang and, 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 and Internet culture. It's an incredibly satisfying experience to immerse yourself in this thing that is extremely other. And I, don't, I don't get to feel that. Right? <laughs> I don't, don't, I well, maybe because you you, you grew up with Chinese parents. But I think for, for somebody who doesn't come from a Chinese family, um, when you first immerse yourself in Chinese culture, it is truly other. I mean, it is very, very different. I actually envy Everything that, is different. That, that and even to this day, as jaded and cynical and sick of China's bullshit as I am, I pretty much on a daily basis will find something that gives me uh, at least a small amount of very intense joy yeah. And it's only accessible if you have a certain amount of competency in the language. Yeah, as I used to like to say, it's my drug of choice. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mine's like $800 a gram. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Chinese is cheaper. Yeah, Chinese is much cheaper. <laughs> but it takes a lot more time. <laughs> it takes more time, and if you live in China, it's probably worse for you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we, we can't leave off without talking about... Uh, Mark Rosewell, Dashan. Um, I mean, this guy who, for some reason, is just—you run into to, to people who, who are, you know, learning Chinese, and they so resent being compared to him. There's so many people who just seem to hate the guy. First of all, just you know, are are we are we fans? Are we detractors? I'm a fan. I'm, Huge I'm, fan. Charlie's a Huge fan. Huge fan. David. Uh, con- uh, confession: I I had dinner with Dashan last night. Oh, you did? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Name dropper. Name. <laughs> so no, I I, I, li- I like him. Very yeah, nice yeah. Guy. He just seems like an incredibly nice guy from the few online interactions. Very modest, unassuming guy, really. Right. I'm a fan, but I, I also have to admit that things have changed a little bit since like the late 90s, where basically if you could say ni hao, people would say, oh, your Chinese is really great. You're like Dashan. You know, that doesn't yeah, really happen anymore. Yeah, that would be anymore. annoying. That would there, be there annoying. There are too many foreigners. But it's not his Chinese fault. Now. No, right. it's not his fault at all. And I was really curious to see, because when I started taking it in the early 2000s, my teacher would hold him up and say, this could be you. And it was, you know, but, and so I was, I was like, today I realized I hadn't seen any of his Chinese in years. And so I went on YouTube and, and I am just as impressed as I would have been, you know, 14. Yeah, his Chinese 14. rocks. It's Look, anyone, and David, I think maybe you're one of these. I mean, anybody who can cross talk in Chinese, you know. That's, yeah. Mad props. What interesting, last night, one of the people there, they were planning an event, you know, and they said, one of the things you want to do is to, is to have some people why, there. Why, who, why the hell didn't you ask him to come on our podcast, knowing full well? You're right. I should have done that. Idiot. I wasn't sure what you We'll have to have of. a cross talking podcast. Yeah. Uh, Mark, if you're listening, come on. But anyway, um, there was an event where they're going to have some, you know, Chinese speaking, learn, Chinese learning people there, and they said, you know, we want to have you on there. And the idea is like, look, look how Dashan speaks. See, Chinese isn't so hard. And, and Mark said, what are you talking about? It's hard as hell. <laughs> it's still the hardest thing I ever. I mean, he, so he he really gets. It. He's he's not you know complete. He has no illusions about you know his ability. He, he'll he will admit his own faults. I mean, it's the product of incredibly hard work. I mean, yes, let's, let's, let's face it. it's absolutely hard work. And also, he, as far as the cultural thing, he made this decision. He said, I'm going to, you know, when I go on TV and I'm going to host, I'm going to do it in the most idiomatic Chinese way I possibly can. you got to admire that. You know, yep. he said, you know, I, wanted, I want to uh, make these people happy, show them I respect their culture, I respect their language, and well, he did that. Let's, let's look. What, what do you think is at the root of the resentment, besides just being mistaken by taxi driver? <laughs> or not mistaken. <laughs> I mean, occasionally, yes, people are mistaken. Oh, Nishu Dasha. I mean, I, I get mistaken for people who, and it, it bothers they me. They think too. you're Dasha? No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> like Liu Huan or something. 
<laughs> it's like, yes, I have long yes. hair, and I could use a few, like, drop a few pounds. <laughs> Otherwise, the resemblances begin and end there. Um, Jeremy, uh, what what is at the root of Dashan hate? Well, I, you know, again, I think things are a little different now. But say in the 1990s, there weren't that many foreigners on TV. And Dashan was one of the few ones who was on TV regularly. So I, some of it is jealousy of his Chinese-speaking abilities. I think in the 1990s, there also used to be a sort of feeling that he was kind of selling out by right, being exactly. on Chinese TV. See, but I think there, there, let's, let's, let's look at that. Why, why is that selling out? Because... Chinese because the TV. white man is not supposed to be the dancing monkey for exactly. the Chinese man. There's like I think that there's like this undercurrent of racism. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, racism. I don't know if racism is exactly the right word, but uh, people do feel it's kind of a dancing monkey kind of thing. Uh, but I mean, I don't think those people would necessarily think Chinese people should be the dancing monkey for the white man. I mean, is that I no mean, dancing racism? Monkeys, I don't even think dancing monkeys should be dancing monkeys. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I mean, I think this thing with Chinese TV can be, you know, censored. I mean, uh, at least uh, David and Kaiser and I, all, all of us have been on state-owned media. You two more than me. And, you know, you go on dialogue, some people would say the same thing about you. you uh, know, absolutely, you, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, know when you them. appear on CCTV, you are, to an extent, uh, taking part in a, a propaganda fest. And that's undeniable. And, I, I mean, I think, you know, if there's any kind of argument behind the anti-Dashan movement, you could say that. Movement, but, uh, it's become the whole movement. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think it's kind of ridiculous because he's a comedian on Chinese exactly. TV, you know, and I, I think, you know, comedians should be forgiven pretty much everything. But of course, as long you know, as they're funny. It, we, we can't imagine the mirror world where in America, uh, an immigrant to the just United by States, virtue just of by virtue of their good English, English gets to go on TV, right, right. No, but they can't play the immigrant shtick. I mean, like exactly. Dashan's counterpart in the U.S. right now is Joe Wong, who's pretty funny, right? But yeah, his but he's, shtick yeah, he's is, funny, right, right. I'm Chinese, and he kind of got this dopey no, Chinese the more, guy there's, routine, there's, right? a, there's, a, there's a Chinese-American comedian, I mean, maybe Korean-American, I'm not sure, but his whole shtick is that he has this really thick Tennessee accent. I mean, that uh-huh. may be, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> look at that Chinese guy. Yeah. He talks like a hick. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's let's recommend. Let's make some recommendations of things. I, I just got you know. I think I, I failed in my duties as host and didn't tell you that this is a little regular episode of our show. But uh, maybe we can leave leave you for last, and each of us can um, can can come up with one thing. Maybe Chinese language related, a book mm-hmm. or you know, video series or something that that has to do with the language. Uh, Charlie, why don't we start with you? Sure. Well, I have for people serious about learning Chinese. The traditional way, um, but in a modern context, the Anki iPhone app, I think, is an incredible resource for flashcards. And there are tons of flashcard apps out there and other programs. Which, what's it called? It's called Anki, A-N-K-I. Okay. And it'll be one of the more expensive apps you download. Um, and there are free ones out there, but I, I'll stand by the fact that I think that the service is worth what you pay for it. Um, so on the go and those taxi uh, you know, oh, rides need that. Um, need on the that. subway. It's incredible, and it because rem- it remembers um, kind of your, your performance, and you tell it what to do, and then you can download ready-made sets or customize your own. It's an incredible resource. And then something more fun will be the book by Evelyn Chow called New B: The Chinese You Were Never Taught in School, uh, which is one of those. You know, there are all these like dirty Chinese, whatever dirt, every book, but this one is really fantastic because she actually goes really in depth. So it's not just learn how to say like bah, beep 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 whatever. Um, but it's explanations why. So it's like unraveling the meaning. It's an awesome book. It's an awesome book. And then also internet memes and, and other, not just the dirty stuff. Jeremy, but. make sure to send us a link to the interview you did with Evelyn. Yes, right, it's on YouTube. You can uh, just uh, uh, search for uh, Neil B. Chinese, I guess. I have to say. It should come up on YouTube. Watching that interview with that woman, just hearing all that profanity come out of her mouth, <laughs> I was just 
turned on it. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Such yeah. a Kaiser. Yeah. That was really disturbing. <laughs> I was calling Jeremy. So, do you have a number? <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. Tut, tut. <clears throat> David. Well, I already recommended John DeFrancis' book, right. The Chinese Language Fact and Fan- Fantasy, but he has other writings too, and he has a- another book about writing systems. Anything by him, if you want to debunk Chinese and understand, he's still classic. He's unfortunately uh, deceased a couple years ago, I guess. But he was at University of Hawaii for a long time, but he's just so an absolute great seen. source. But uh, as far as apps, I would like to recommend the, the Plico. Plico? Oh, Plico, yes. Plico yeah. Dictionary, which, I, which has changed my life. Yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely. So. If you don't have it, get it. It's worth getting all the added dictionaries, yes. too. And uh, if I lose my iPhone that has it on, I would I would probably commit suicide unless I can get one. Really Please don't do that. You can I actually, it's backed up on your machine. Yes. Specifically, I'll push for the optical recognizer. Um, yes, that because is so cool. Especially, okay, so if you try to do the live one on you know, some sign while you're walking, it won't yield the best results. But if you take a picture, a newspaper article, anything, uh, a book page, and then they'll use it and, and it recognizes the characters and you just go through all the ones you don't know. It's incredible yeah. technology. Oh, wow. Why these, these young kids these days? Why in my day we had to look up with the radicals and it's just too damn easy now for you kids. It right? really is. I think it's $14 for that one. I may be wrong. Uh, worth every cent. Uh, then, you know, there's a topic that I wanted to talk about. Let me squeeze this in really quick since you were talking about, you know, you kids these days. Quickly, the, just the two of you, J- Jeremy and, and to David, how has Chinese scholarship changed in the age of, of truly fluent um, Chinese speakers from Western academic backgrounds? I mean, look, I loved my professors when I was in graduate school dearly. A few of them, even the ones who you know really passed themselves off as called China experts, could really save China, uh, speak Chinese to save their lives. Well, it's, it's different now, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's it's the the kinds of things you can do with Chinese now, and especially you know with 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 these kind of tools that we're talking about, uh, and with the internet, there is is not ten times more information than we had in the eighties and nineties, and and not twenty times and not a hundred times. I say there are thousands of times more raw information about what's happening on the ground, and it's partly because there's lots and lots of people who speak really good Chinese now, and they're like little. Anthropologists, you know, and a lot of them publish on Donway.com and other places, and and it's like there are ants out there discovering this 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 culture and language from the inside. That's new. That's very different. Jeremy, you got a, a, a view on this? I mean, I see we're never an academic. I've yet. never been an academic, although you know I have quite a lot to do with academia at the moment. But um, I think it has changed. There, there is now. I think a perception that if you don't speak and read Chinese, you can't really be an expert on China. But there is still uh, imagine a lot, that there, that was ever a criteria. <laughs> well, it used to be like Latin, right? It was yeah. sort of like it was treated, you know, Chinese and Sanskrit, at least in Britain, where I think you know Sinology perhaps you know has even possibly a slightly longer history than the United States. I'm not sure if that's sure. true, but uh, certainly in Britain, it, w- it was you know Sanskrit and Chinese were kind of like Latin. It was something you studied books, you studied ancient poetry, and that's only really changed since the 80s, I, I, I think, right. uh, when you know a new generation of, of, of people who had academic chops and could you know yeah reform and opening made it all possible, right? People yeah. could actually come here, spend extended stays here, learn the language in its native environs. Mm-mm. Interesting. I mean, that's a topic I wish I could have gotten into more, but we still have to finish recommending. And so, Jess, have you come up with something? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I have, like, two kind of different things. Uh, one is called Pimsler. Um, it's like a, a, a recording. Uh, I'm not sure if you can download it, um, but some of my friends use it. And it's basically you, like, talk along with it. Um, and so it really 
I think I would say like the first thing you really want to learn is to just say something. Sure. Um, so that's a really great way to practice. I've heard speaking. of Himsler, yeah. Yeah, they have it for other languages, but um, I think a combination of that with like something like Rosetta Stone, which you can buy mm -hmm. for like sixty kwai here, um, <laughs> which is awesome because. But we don't recommend. We don't recommend. Sorry, sorry. Especially when yeah. Okay. okay, sorry. Okay, but for all the Luddites out there, I think you know. It, actually just sitting down and making flashcards as so like old school I know we're all technology over here if I'm doing it on my on my phone or on the computer I feel like if I literally sit there and write the characters and say them to myself that is also a really effective way to just uh, yeah, I still so, do. Yeah, I love flashcards. You know, and I remember, you know, in college when you were talking when you were talking about earlier about just like how pretty everything was. I would just have these after the semester was over, just pages and pages and pages of just like characters everywhere, and it really it is beautiful. But the point is, is that I think just just writing and practicing and just doing things really old school sometimes is. Uh, an effective way to learn too. Okay, well, from old school to new school, uh, I'm gonna introduce everyone here to somebody who's an old, I mean, know it or not, a really dear friend of Seneca, to David Lancashire, who I'm going to call into the studio from behind the control panel here. Dave? Behind the Wizard of Oz screen. Yeah, right. <laughs> and at this point, I should perhaps uh, recommend uh, popupchinese.com. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, in fact, all these other talk about other Chinese learning systems that you've just heard about, forget about it. Popupchinese.com. So, Dave, here, on. grab, <laughs> grab the microphone. Please. So, David Lancashire, um, you know, everyone's other favorite China-related Canadian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, tell us a little bit about what the, what makes the pedagogical style and what's what why people should try. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're already in the, the pop up Chinese environment. Uh, tell us a little bit about what what went into pop up. Uh, well, I mean, one, I think it works. Uh, I think Pimsleur actually. I've got to say, uh, if you're an absolute beginner, that really works for people who are getting from literally nothing to, yeah. you know, can I order a drink? Pimsleur really works. Um, I think we really work too, but we're at a much higher level. We put an emphasis on colloquial and emotional Chinese, and it sticks in your mind as an example of here's someone yelling at someone in Chinese, yeah, exactly. or being sycophantic, or right. here's someone being pedantic. And I think in so much of really 99% of anything out there for Chinese, it's teaching words in an emotional in an emotional vacuum, right. and it, it just doesn't stick. That's right. Well, we're really really grateful for for our association with Pop Up Chinese, and it's been just uh, you know a great. Oh, we're getting on two years, right? So. Um, Jeremy, we, we were sort of co-recommending, right, pop-up. Did you have another one that I, I before I... I no, I think that's it. It's, that's it's all, okay, about so, yeah, pop -up all about pop-up Chinese. There's nothing else. No other way to really learn Chinese. No. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, this was this has been fun, as, as always. Charlie, thanks so much for coming. Thank you. I'll see you at the office tomorrow. Cracking the whip. Uh, Jessica, thank you. So wonderful meeting you and yeah. great having you here. David, as always, such a pleasure. <laughs> and of course, Jeremy. Uh, we will see you folks soon again on, on the Seneca Podcast. Stay tuned. Bye-bye.